Who am I? Why am I here? Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. I shall not seek and I will not accept the nomination of my party for another term as your president. Tear down this wall. And the wall just got 10 feet taller. We're going to California and Texas and New York. We're going to South Dakota and Oregon and Washington and Michigan. And then we're going to Washington, D.C. to take back the White House. Keep it at 100. It's election shock therapy. That's right. Episode 100. Wow. We've done this, guys. Wow. And we're not even in the same room anymore. We're so big, we're so famous that we have to all meet in our separate <laughs> I'm Chris Moore for the Bethel Political Science Department, and joining me from Bethel are Andy Bramson, Matt Cookham, Sam Mulberry, and Sam Mulberry. He doesn't have a meeting today, and uh, from the University of South Carolina at Aiken, uh, Mitchell Crum. Hey guys, this is the full uh, full cast for Election Shock Therapy for our entire run. Wow. Sam, when you got this thing started, when you pitched this to me, did you think we were going to have 100 episodes? No, I was hoping we'd make it to Election Day. Like that works. <laughs> <laughs> Because whenever you start a new project like this, you, you like you're trying to convince people like it's just really important that we post an episode every week. It's really important that we just keep doing it. It doesn't matter if people aren't listening, and people were listening. But but yeah, no, I just wanted to make it to election day. Well, if we made it to an election day, chances are looking really good. We're going to make it to two election days, uh, two presidential election days. So we kicked this thing off back in the summer of 2016. We had had other political podcasts at Bethel before. So Sam, what, what was the genesis of that? That, that was, was back even before my time. Yeah, so the the, the fall of 2008, um, leading up to that election, Chris Gertz and Stacey Hunter hecked. And I think I was on it. I produced it. I think I was on some of those, but mostly it was Chris and Stacey talking. Um, and uh, we had just started doing some podcasting in another course. So we thought well, we should do one to help students kind of process the 2008 election. So we did right. probably about 15 or 16 episodes. And then we, uh, in 2012, I think we did a couple leading up to that, that Chris Moore was on. Is that is your correct right, to your right. memory? I actually was briefly a guest appearance in the 28, or the 2008, excuse me, uh, a series. I wasn't a host. I wasn't on it really, but there was an episode where Stacy had a, um, like a childcare issue. It's so I got pulled in to pinch hit <laughs> foreign policy with Chris Garrett's on it. Yeah, I remember that. Very good. So yeah. my favorite, my favorite of those um, episodes is on the day of the election. I had Stacy, Chris, and I. We all would call my voicemail throughout the day with updates and reflections, uh, and then we pieced those together as a. Um, it sounds awful because it's it's <laughs> me recording my voicemails without really technology to record my voicemails very well. But um, but it's really cool to hear everybody's sort of thoughts and reflections as we as we went through that day. That's fun. And we ended up doing something similar back in 2016. We had a in the day the day, election day we sort of called in um, and recorded little micro pods throughout the day leading up to um, leading up to that evening too. Yep. So yep. and then we did something. You know we. We tried to sort of almost a call-in show model back in 2018. Uh, we sat around and watched returns come in, and we sort of dropped a little micropod every every hour or so, and had even had a few guests on, had some students on, um, yep. had Matt Muscle on. So I, we had some uh, yep. had some folks join us too. So, 
And then I, I, I want to throw this over to, so Andy, you were um, my original partner in crime at yeah. starting this up in 2016. So this wasn't going to work if I didn't, if I couldn't get you, I couldn't get, I, I, it wasn't going to happen, right? Yeah, right. Um, because you and I both know there was no way in the world Fred Van Geest was going to do this. No. Um, <laughs> in fact, he's, he's actually grimacing slightly wherever he is on sabbatical right now because we mentioned his name on the podcast. Right. Um, right. The idea of being on this is sort of amu profoundly amusing to him. Um, yeah. But uh, you and I decided to, to kind of give this a shot, and then we needed, we needed a, a third political scientist. And it was at that time we were bringing... Uh, onto campus, uh, Mitch Crum. And so, Mitch, I got to ask you, what was your? Do you remember back? What was your thought when these two guys asked you, within within uh, weeks of starting your job at Bethel, to be uh, um, to be on a podcast? I think he was literally still moving into his office. <laughs> yeah, I, think he, I think he caught him setting up some Legos. Honestly, probably, <laughs> probably was. Um, I mean, I remember thinking it was going to be fun. I I've always, you know, I I, I always thought that that the podcasting format is, is, is enjoyable. Um, it's, it's always a little bit stressful just because, you know, you're putting something out there into the world and, you know, especially when it's a conversation, it's not like fully scripted. Right. Um, you know, you never quite know what's, what, 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 what people are going to make of stuff. But, mm -hmm. um, but, but I think overall I was, I was mostly just excited to, to do it. I thought, I thought it sounded, I, yeah, I thought it sounded like fun. So. Cool. Um, well, I'm glad we we kept you as part of the podcast uh, team throughout your time here at Bethel, and then um, you departed for for warmer climes um, down in South Carolina. Um, although I'm not sure today we we might have you beat. What's the weather like in in South yeah. Carolina? So yeah, so we had the hurricane or the remnants of the hurricane blew through, and that really changed the weather dramatically. So we're actually getting some cool. Um, we've had some actually almost chilly nights. Oh. Um, I hate to be this much of a wimp, um, but I almost had to put a coat on the other night when it dropped down to like 60 degrees. <laughs> so, uh, you can tell I've already lost my Minnesota. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. You but, uh, but, but it, it was a welcome change from like the nights where when I walk at the dog at midnight and it's like 80, 85 degrees or whatever. Wow. So, well, my word. Uh, so it's a pretty dramatic change. And yes, you, you may. So it may be hotter up there after that. <laughs> We're having a warm week, actually. Yeah. yeah, it's it's kind of those beautiful weeks in fall when summer decides it hasn't quite given up the ghost yet. Um, <laughs> and so our, our newest member of the podcast um, is 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 Matt Cookham. And Matt, you actually heard this podcast before <laughs> you were on it, which is really impressive. Um, I was one of your one of your regulars. Um, I know. Yeah. So so I think I mentioned this maybe a year ago, but. Um, you know, Mitch and I, we went to grad school together. Mitch was a few years ahead of me. Um, and then he went off to the, you know, icy wastelands of Minnesota. And, um, and he told me, hey, I'm doing this podcast and you should listen. And I'm like, sure, I'll absolutely listen. Um, so and I did. And I thought, hey, this is great. This is so I kept it in my sort of regular podcast rotation. It was a nice change of pace from some of the other political podcasts that I I was listening to. So I was always, whenever something big happened, um, I was always like, ah, what, what is the EST gang going to have to say about, <laughs> about this development? So yeah, I was a regular listener for, for basically the whole time, uh, Dr. Crum was, was at Bethel. And then when y'all, um, decided to bring me on board, um, I was pretty excited that I get to join, uh, the podcast team. So yeah, it's been great. It has been great. This has been one of the highlights of my, 
um, of, the, of this last four years, really, is a chance to not just produce a podcast. I'm not sure. Sh- I always, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit self-conscious about hearing my own voice on, on these recordings, but to spend some time to basically force us and force myself especially mm-hmm. to take a, um, a weekly uh, hour to really engage in what's happening in the world and to think about what our political science training can tell us about that. We all really have research interests that are quite different from each other. And our research interests are geared towards the scholarly. And so we end up speaking to this pretty narrow audience of other people who are interested in the same things that we're interested in, such as the life of academia. But this podcast gives us a chance to take some of our our trainings and then turn them towards the things that we should all care about, especially modern American politics, with a little smidge of political theory and a little smidge of, of international politics sort of thrown in there. But we, we, we roll pretty hard for American uh, federal politics. So we're, we're kind of beginning to address this question already, but we have to say, we, we want to take this, this 100 episode and step a little bit away from the 2020 presidential election. Don't worry, we'll be back in your feed really soon with discussions of the uh, first debate We'll be talking uh, to some of our journalists here on campus about how you cover the election. We'll be talking about how how the election is financed and what some of the recent financial moves might say about American politics. We've got lots of other subjects. We're going to get right back into the day-to-day. But for this podcast, for this 100 episode, we want to spend a little bit of time thinking about why we do this, not just why we do this podcast, but then why are we Christian political scientists? And how does our faith inform what we do in the classroom, in, the, in our research, and, and more generally. So uh, if you're looking for us to sort of sit back a little bit and think a little bit more broadly, this is the podcast for you. So I'll, we've already talked about the origins of this podcast and how each of us got involved in it. And let me just ask you more like a motivation question, sort of a, you know, a method actor sort of thing. You know, what's my motivation? Um, what motivates you to want to keep doing this podcast? I think a couple things I would, I guess, highlight. I mean, one is I just, I do enjoy it. As you said, Chris, this has been a lot of fun. And I think um, having these conversations has been great. But I do think, you know, there's something that we can bring as as Christians who study political science to this conversation. And that is, on the one hand, thinking about how our faith should inform the way we think about it. It doesn't mean we are always talking about, you know, the life of the church or something like that, right? But that it should shape the very way we see politics. It should inform our, our perspective on it. Um, and I think one of the ways it informs that perspective, and this to me has been one of the big driving motivations of this podcast, is that it should shape kind of how, the, like the, the tone we use to talk and the way we, we, the way we address issues, the way we address each other, the way we address, um, you know, people in in the political sphere, right? We are in a climate right now, and this was true in 2016 when we started, it's more true now, I think, right? Um, where there's just a lot of attacking of other people, of constantly running people down, calling names, right? Um, and it's a it's a quite a nasty environment in a lot of ways, right? Um, and so, you know, how can we bring a different tone? How can we talk about things in a way that takes, you know, deep moral issues seriously, um, but at the same t- time tries to talk about them um, in a reasonable way, right? And so, I, I mean, one of the things I think about with this podcast is a word that I didn't know until I came to Bethel, actually. So when I got to Bethel in the fall of 2013, right, 
Um, we were in a, the midst of a, a challenging time financially. Um, it was a time where there was a fair bit of contention here, right? And I kept hearing this word ironic, right? Um, and I was like, what does this word ironic mean? It turns out it's not the same as ironic, even though there's only a one letter difference, right? Um, it means something like, you know, learning how to disagree without being disagreeable, right? Um, to be able to have hard conversations well, right? Um, and I thought that's a really important concept and it's a really important concept um, for our political sphere right now. Um, and so it's something I hope that we we do well. I think we do do it well. Um, and I think that makes us a little bit different voice than a lot that are out there. And I think both our faith and our training as political scientists helps us to um, be able to think about those things in a little different way. Yeah, I'll just second all of that. And I'm not sure. I mean, that those are the reasons why I like to continue to podcast. I mean, besides the fact that it's just fun to have conversations right. with um, with colleagues <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, exactly. But um, and I think I like the having the opportunity to be a part of a politics podcast that is nonpartisan. And I would say for the most part, non-ideological that we do bring our own um, Christian, you know, ideas and ideals um, to how we analyze politics, but they don't, we try to avoid sort of base ideology and especially rank partisanship. And there's not that many podcasts that do that well, I think. And I think that's something we have to offer. And it's nice to be able to have those sorts of conversations and, and be able to reach an audience um, across the political spectrum. Um, I know I know progressives, uh, very progressive people, and I know very conservative people that listen to this podcast. And there's a reason for that. Uh, and I think that's important. Um, and I think that speaks to the fact that we, you know, despite the fact we don't have a huge audience, you know, they they do come from from a range of, of, of walks and ideologies and, and partisan leanings. And I think um, there's not that many opportunities for for political scientists to reach out to that sort of a broad spectrum. Um, you know, when when we speak to our people, our colleagues in academia, they're they're all you know professors doing their professor thing. Um, and if we speak into broader academia, they're generally mostly progressive and liberal. Here we have a opportunity to reach um, a somewhat wider audience, and the opportunity to do that is just it's just great. Yeah, I don't know if I have too much to to add to any of those things. I mean, I think in some ways. Um, you know, what, what, what this podcast, um, does, does well in some ways is, is, is maybe in some ways sort of learn the lessons of Billy Graham, um, as far mm -hmm. as, you know, um, not being committed to, to one particular, um, side or program, but being, you know, attempting, attempting to, in, in, in the best sense, you know, be, be, be all things to all people, um, right. basically trying to, um, address things from, in one sense, almost from a more objective perspective in that way. I mean, trying to, to think um, more objectively in that way by, by not um, descending sort of into the more partisan um, elements um, and simultaneously, but then also um, not, being a, not, not, not being neutral in the sense of uh, not also not, not having values. And so I think in many ways, you know, this the goal at least of the of the as far as i've always understood esd to have is to be um is just is to is to try to try to try to realize both of those things to right to, to both sit above but also have um particular particular values and bents that 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 still inform our our thinking yeah. you know we had it's interesting how this podcast emerged because we found our voice pretty early on, but we did so without necessarily having a, a clear mission statement. At least Sam and I and Andy didn't have this clear mission statement when we rolled this out. 
but clearly we imputed some of our values into this. Uh, we've never made a secret of the fact that we don't all approach uh, American politics with the same ideological perspective. Um, where some of us are more progressive than others, some of us are more conservative than others on different issues. And we've never made a point of saying, we're doing a Christian podcast, a Christian political science podcast. One of us votes for Republicans. One of us votes for Democrats. Uh, we've right. never made that our shtick. Uh, we've just sort of said, this is part of our lived experience. Christians are going to have different um, political dispositions. And we're still going to model a certain way of discourse. And Andy, I really like your term tone because sometimes civility, especially in our modern era, gets a bad rap. And so uh, there are those who are very convicted who say, I can't be in the same dialogue with someone who I vehemently disagree with so much. And I can't be civil with that. And if, if you truly think that something some political idea or political notion is evil, you can't sit well with that. But that doesn't mean that you can't approach politics with the kind of winsome tone that brings people into your side of the, of the debate, right? Um, and there's so much angry, shrill, uh, violent tending rhetoric in American politics now that seems to have forgotten that notion of being winsome. Uh, and ha adopting a tone which is going to win people to the side that you think is is the side of light. And so I think we've naturally fallen into this kind of respectful, engaging um, discourse, which has been helped by the fact that we're friends. Uh, but it's it's I think it's something it's a model for how I wish other Christians would talk about politics, even how other Christians in academia would talk right. about politics. So I, I, I'll say one more thing, and I, I, I'm going to steal Sam's line here, and I, because he pointed <laughs> this out to me, and I think this is this is really smart. Um, if I went to the APSA or um, MPSA, and I gave a talk um, on some of my research, and five people showed up, I'd be okay with that. If ten people showed up, well, yeah, three, that would be great. That'd yeah. be great. If twenty people showed up, I'd feel like a rock star, right? Yeah. And we regularly have a lot more people than that listening to this podcast. And so how often do political scientists get a chance to have an audience of people talking about the things they care about who are paying attention to them? And as our email address at the end of the podcast tells us, are interacting with us and are, are you know, are, are following along and sometimes have questions or feedback or comments and things too. So this is a way of engaging that I, that academics like us rarely get to do. And for that reason alone, I think this is a, a profitable enterprise. Mm-hmm. So um, thanks for doing this with us, guys. The, this has been a fun project. I, I have grand dreams of, of still doing this in 2024 when um, the next presidential election rolls around. We'll have to see how that goes. I don't know. Maybe in the near future, it won't be podcast. Maybe we'll have a Twitch channel or something. Um, I, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> Please no. But let me, let, let's, it'll all be TikTok at that point. Oh, dear. Well, I'll be, it'll, it'll, it'll be in Chinese. It'll be in yeah, exactly. Mandarin. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we have thoughts about that too. Okay. Um, let's skew a little bit wider than the podcast. Three of uh, all four of us have taught at a explicitly Christian university. Um, three of us are still at at Bethel, um, and all of us identify as political scientists. But additionally, I think all of us would be comfortable. I'll actually ask that question. We'd be comfortable putting the term 
Christian political scientist. Now we are Christians, but there's something about like saying like Christian political scientist and tying those two concepts together. How do you square those ideas? And what does that mean to you guys? Well, I can start this discussion. I mean, I think um, it's, it's interesting kind of thinking about those things together. And I've, I've thought about this for a bit because one of the courses I teach here at Bethel, which I know you do too, Chris, is our course on the political quest, right? Which is basically our, our gateway into the major um, for political science majors. We ask them to take this pretty early on. And it's a course where we try to do two class. What's that? It's sort of like a sophomore level class. Yeah, it's a sophomore level class. And so early in their political science, you know, major career, right, they need to take this. And we try to do two main things in that course, as I understand it. I mean, one is we try to teach them basic, you know, skills in political science. How do you do some good research? How do you how do you write certain kinds of, of things, right? Um, so produce a lit review, produce an annotated bibliography, a opinion piece, things like that. Um, so we're, we're trying to, get, you know, cultivate those skills so they can then go on to succeed as, you know, in, in upper level courses and then as people who are going to go out with a political science major and should be able to do certain certain kinds of research and writing um, and present, presenting. So that's one piece of the course. The other piece is we say, okay, how does it make a difference that you're taking a political science major at Bethel University, right, as opposed to at the University of Minnesota or somewhere like that, right? Um, because we are a Christian liberal arts university, right? That should shape what we do, right? Um, and to me, when I think about those things, it looks a lot the same, right? Whether you're at, you know, Bethel or at USC Aiken, right? Um, you know, the, the good writing is good writing. Good research is good research, right? Standards of what makes a good source um, and things like that, right? Do not change, I don't think, when, when you're at these different kinds of universities, right? But I think it does change kind of how we approach those issues, how we think about them, and how we think about kind of, um, you know, how, how should we think about the politics of our day? How should we think about political issues? What, what kinds of things are important in our in our research, right? Um, you know, it's that that perspective is shaped, right? And the kinds of questions we can ask, right? And the kind of moral foundation we have in asking those questions, right? Um, I think our our faith shapes that, right? And so I say, you know, good political science doesn't look that different, right? But the kind of way you do political science and the way you think about it, what matters, um, our faith absolutely shapes, right? And so that's one of the ways that I think about kind of bringing these these things together. I'll stop there for now. I could probably say more, but. Yeah, that's good. Um, sort of thinking like more personally, it's, you know, as, as like, who who am I as, you know, my identity um, as a Christian political scientist, among other things, right? But but it's, being a Christian political scientist is kind of weird. Um, <laughs> it, so to, uh, and I'll explain okay, this. Yeah, it's, it's weird. Um, maybe I'm just weird, but. I mean, so to misappropriate a term from um, from Charles Taylor, um, it's a rather sort of fractured existence. I'm, I'm working sort of within um, different moral or philosophical frameworks, right? So, so in secular yeah. academia, um, I'm expected to be very progressive uh, politically and socially, and to leave my religious convictions and theological theological presuppositions at the door, right? Right. Um, but since I'm a theologically conservative Christian, um, small o orthodox, right? Um, because I am that, I'm also expected within Christian circles to be a Republican and to subscribe to current sort of Republican um, platforms or current so-called conservatism, right? So it's, it's an awkward position to be in, right? Um, and all of this is accentuated because because I do political philosophy, which deals with difficult moral political questions, and because I also study American politics, which is deeply polarized. Um, but even more deeply than that, it, being a Christian political scientist is weird 
for lack of a better term, um, because of the object of, of the thing that I study. I study, you know, we all study uh, human societies and political systems. Right. And uh, at the end of the day, politics has to do with power. And power is about seeking to get an advantage. Um, and Christianity and the gospel isn't fundamentally about, about power. It's about love. It's about sacrifice. It's about dying daily to oneself. It's about service, right? And uh, political instruments and political systems don't fit neatly into this. I'm not saying that Christians can't be involved with politics, but I'm saying these are these are you know somewhat different spheres. Um, and the, the means of government and the means of Christianity are different. The power of government is ultimately the power of coercion. Um, that's not the power of, of the faith that I have, and that's not the power of, of, of what Christians believe in. So, so as a Christian political scientist, I, I'm sort of caught between these different ways of, of, of you know, thinking and dealing with the world. Then um, I could say more about how I think we can actually square, square these things together and think about them intelligently, but it's just a, a particularly interesting and challenging position to be in. A good one, but, but a, a challenging one. Yep. Yeah, I think, I mean, I obviously like a lot of uh, the things that have just been said. I mean, I think um, for me, one of the things that I come back to, and I've kind of been coming back to it again this this semester, even as I'm teaching American political thought and sort of re-encountering some of the um, early, early incarnations of uh, various Christians trying to to think about politics in um, sometimes successful and sometimes less successful ways, um, and you know one of the things that that really comes out you know is that is is is, is that first of all I mean just just that Christian faith in politics is really hard. I mean it's not something as Matt was saying that's that's really easy to square. I mean you can go all the way back to um, you know Saint Augustine and he's kind of working through like what you know you know he starts out with this sort of dichotomy right if you have basically you've got the world and you've got politics and that's sort of the side of sin and evil and then you have right. uh, you know and then you have this and then you have the city of God which is the side of good and it's sort of divorced from from the from the city of uh, you know the city of man and the mm -hmm. yeah. and politics and all that um but then of course augustine works through and has different integrations for for those things and i think you know in many ways we still haven't solved that um you know there's still this um this difficulty and you know you can look you know just in my own experience you know just again thinking about what i'm teaching right now i mean you can think about the puritans and their attempt to sort of totally unite these things and say, you know, essentially the church and politics are going to be not quite the same, but, you know, very closely allied and um, very deeply linked. <clears throat> um, and some of the ways that that went, you know, pretty, pretty badly wrong um, in, 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 in some ways. But on the other hand, then there's also, uh, you know, as, as somebody who identifies uh, again, as as a Christian political scientist, what does that what does that mean then for me, and how do I, how is what I'm doing different from what from what they were trying to do? And I think, for me, part of it is, um, part of it part of it is 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 essentially grasping that politics is not at the is is not at the pinnacle of what of what of what we're trying to accomplish. And I think that's sort of the starting point in many ways for for a Christian yeah. political scientist mm -hmm. is to is to essentially put politics in its proper place. In other words, I think the big confusion for the for people like the Puritans and even for, you know, even setting aside the Puritans, really for anyone who um gets too wrapped up in in certain things is to, is to essentially put politics as the as, as sort of as sort of the top 
of the of sort of the food chain of how you how you approach the world and and i think i think the moment that happens is the moment you you sort of you know you've you've essentially made a mistake and i think in some ways even that's what distinguishes or can distinguish a christian political scientist i mean it's it's this you know for many people and i think particularly think about political philosophy politics does pretty quickly move to the top um you know mm -hmm. even thinking about you know um I can't, I think it was in our pre-conversation. I don't think it was in the podcast, but you know, you folks were, uh, the, you know, what is it? when I first joined, you were talking about Plato, right? And so you think about Plato and for right. Platonic thought, um, yes, philosophy is at the top, but pretty quickly politics also seems to move um, pretty, pretty high on the list as well. And so, and for someone who, who is a Christian, right, especially if you have faith in other things, you know, in, 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 in essentially God's providence and God working through um, things that we can't fully understand, uh, then it gives you a certain it, it gives you it gives you a way to essentially you know in a real sense have faith that you can step back from politics and allow um, things to happen that otherwise might um, you know be be fully disastrous. Um, hmm. And and I think and I think that's in many ways. It, it, again, I think I think for me at least that's part of what defines being a Christian political scientist is not um, not 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 placing it at the top of, of 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 the priorities and not letting it in that way govern your thinking and govern um, even even your actions and and how you approach the world. Yeah, I think that's that's excellent, Mitch. And I, I would just I think add to that. I, mean, I think like so having that perspective, right, of saying like politics is not the ultimate good, right? It then shapes like how we approach it, right? Because if it's not, then then there are there have to be limits, right, on on how we how we approach it, and um, there have to be other things that are shaping how we're doing that, right? Um, it cannot be a sort of like any means or allowed to to accomplish our goals right um and that's what i'm when i talk about this in political quest with students I mean, it's one thing i'm pushing them on is like you know who you are as a christian that identity that should shape your political engagement and not the other way around right and too often um that arrow is being being reversed and so i mean on augustine's point he does ultimately come down on you you've got to you've got to engage in the world right we have to live out our faith here we have to seek the good of this city it is our good because we are living out our christian faith in this temporal realm um and but we we're doing that um with the knowledge that we're citizens ultimately not of the city of man but of the city of god and that our goal is to promote earthly peace so that we can point people to true peace which is that relationship with christ and when we lose sight of that right and let the kind of the goods of the city become our ultimate goods um we've lost our way as christians and that's really i think an important point yeah and that's good and it's hard too because I mean, we're in a political system where um, we, you know, as a people do have a real voice and an opportunity to s shape our government, shape the policies that our government creates. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's not that, you know, the possibilities are endless for us today, but we have greater possibilities, have had greater possibilities over the past few centuries to have a role in this process than has ever been a, an option in human history. And so, so, you know, politics and public policy become you know, one of the available means to us now to bring, you know, peace or shalom to our society, which is yep. what, what we're called to seek. Um, the prophet Jeremiah talks about this. But, you know, the temptation is in, in the attempt to, to bring about this peace to our earthly societies that we get, Christians can get swept up in politics and seek to um, get power and prestige for its own sake. Um, 
and yeah. to lose sight of the goal of improving the flourishing of our political communities. Um, and along the way, neglecting and even undermining the advance of the gospel, which is, you know, of course, our, our primary goal as Christians. And so, you know, so we have to keep in mind, as you guys said, politics is not ultimate. Um, you know, there's, you know, Christ gave us an injunction to, and then a, an accompanying promise, right? To seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. Uh, we're often tempted, I think, to short circuit this process. Right. And seek to, uh, you know, grasp the extra blessings first um, <laughs> and neglect the command. Right. And we're going to be judged for this ultimately. Right. And so so, you know, we have to seek first the kingdom and the righteousness and then uh, and then figure out how politics and political means fit into that endeavor. I guess so I would just want to offer the counterpoint, which or the the, the, the counter positive to this, uh, to what you guys are saying, because while I agree with you that what my Christian faith serves for me is an ordering principle by which I put all of my earthly experience into sharp relief and to context. At the same time, it's not merely delimiting, it's also empowering. And so uh, my faith doesn't just um, tell me what I should and shouldn't care about. It motivates me to care more about the things that I should care about. It calls me to care about uh, the earthly kingdom, right? It, it calls me to, to instantiate, uh, to help instantiate the kingdom that Jesus teaches about here on earth, right? To bring about a more, a more peaceful, a more just place where the poor are lifted up and where um, the, the weak are cared for. Uh, where violence has ended, and, and in so many other ways, where, where the example and teaching of Christ is is brought about, and so uh, that is a way of, of structuring how one might engage in politics. I have to step back from that just a little bit, and I want to talk a little bit about the the act of political science, right? Because there is, in my mind at least, a um, a, a line, if not a perfect line between political science and, and poli political action, right? Um, it's pretty easy for many of our colleagues, both uh, in, the in the political science academia, to sort of sit above political action and sort of judge it um, impassively from, 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 a, from a removed distance. And there's a real appropriateness to that because it allows for a certain um, level of analysis and combating uh, you know, strong biases and subjectivity. But at the same time, uh, it means that we have to understand why are we studying this thing? And I, I forgive me for talking too much here, but I want to dis disabuse people of perhaps one notion they might have of Christian higher ed. Uh, whether it's prospective parents thinking they're going to send their, their child to a safe school that won't uh, put them in touch with challenging ideas that challenge uh, their faith and strengthen their faith that challenge, or whether it's our colleagues at secular schools who think that uh, the idea of Christian higher ed is a misnomer or at least a contradiction in terms because we're um, sort of shutting our ears to certain kinds of ideas, you know, uh, could your, could your biology department possibly teach evolution, right? Could your, um, could your artists really engage in, in transgressive kinds of art? Uh, and as, as Christians, uh, political scientists, can you engage in um, ideas in the, in the political world that are explicitly non-Christian or anti-Christian? And all of those ideas, all of those notions are false, right? I don't find that our ability to study the important political problems of the world 
are hindered by our Christian faith, or I think they're motivated by it, right? And where I'm, you know, I, I study terrorism, I study complex conflicts, and people who are motivated to violence sometimes by their religious convictions, sometimes by their Christian religious convictions. And I think that's an important thing to understand. And and that's why and that's why we're called to to try and study it and try to try to know it. And so yeah. Anyway, I, I, I'm, I'm taking too long to say this here, but I think that there's a level at which our academic enterprise is strengthened by this ordering principle that you all have discussed of our Christian faith super, uh, superintending over our earthly pursuits, but it empowers them. It doesn't limit them. Yep, I agree. Let's let's think a little bit. Well, we're, 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 we're coming close to the end of our time here, but if you could uh, sort of cast a message um, I, I'm, I'm trying to think how to frame this. I'm not sure if I want you to cast. I'm not sure if I want you to cast a message into the future <laughs> or simply into the, into the present. But if, if you could think about sort of the 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 world into which we are podcasting, how's that? The world into which we're podcasting, or which someone might listen to this podcast, how would you ask them to consider how faith and politics ought to interact? So we're getting really into the political theory world here. What is the ought? We, we study often how faith and politics do interact. How should it? I'm only a junior political theorist. So I'll let, what, <laughs> I thought we were punting this question to a different podcast, Chris. <laughs> we're gonna... Actually, Matt, maybe we should. Maybe, maybe this is something that we should we should say for a I mean, that's period. that's a whole discussion. I think that's a worthy one. I, I don't know, just to sort of reflect maybe a little bit on your previous question is, you know, why? what are we doing and what – what is the role of studying this thing called politics, right? Yeah. I mean, I think um, a good philosophy friend of mine um, puts it this way, you know, as a Christian, I'm called to see the world the way that God sees it. I'm called to see people the way God sees them. Obviously, yep. um, there's serious epistemic limits to this, right? Um, we are not positioned um, and, you know, as God, and we are not God, right? Um, we don't know all things, um, but we are we are called to see reality rightly, um, and this takes strenuous work. And as a Christian who you know studies politics and teaches about politics, I'm especially responsible to put in the effort to see to see politics the way God sees it, right? And this brings this requires sort of a, a lot of different things, but this might involve you know looking at you know various theories of of you know constitutionalism and how to put together a government right um right. delving to these things that aren't sort of explicitly christian like there's actually a point to to you know seeking knowledge and understanding the world that those are good things in and of themselves they are intrinsic goods right um but at the same time um we're not just accumulating knowledge for for kicks and giggles right uh, because it's fun <laughs> a lot of academics do that right um but they don't seek to put that into action and i think um, you know, as Christians who are called to seek the peace of the shalom of the city and, you know, and because we live in a system in which we can have an impact on our city through political means, we have a real opportunity um, to do that. Um, and I think as Christians, too, you know, I, I, I don't know, I, I reflect on the interactions I've had with Christians before. And they sort of seem to put sort of politics in its own box, like we're seeking power, we're seeking advantage, and then we're going to go off and and they have that sort of that view of politics. But then um, whatever their view is there, the Christians go off and they do all this charitable work and, and they, they are sort of different selves, you might say, in how they engage mm -hmm. their communities. And I'm suggesting that. Um, that perhaps we shouldn't think of these things as as wholly separate, right? Christians have real work to do in in society that 
that goes beyond doing charitable work. Um, we can and should do charitable work, but doing justice and loving mercy um, can be done indirectly as well. So, um, so one of my mentors um, from my undergraduate days, he's now a, a professor at, at Calvin, uh, Calvin University now, uh, Micah Watson, this is a shout out to you if you're listening. Um, he used this analogy. He said, you know, say, say that you and your friends um, come upon a river and you see people helplessly floating downstream on various bits of flotsam and jetsam. And, and you and your friends try to fish them out of the river. But you notice, you know, there's all these people coming from upriver. They keep floating down the river and they're drowning, right? So at some point, someone needs to travel upstream to figure out why the heck all of these people keep ending up in the river, right? And so <laughs> mercy, you know, right. is going to involve fishing the poor souls out of the water, but it's also going to involve seeing like, well, how do people get into this bad spot in the first place? So some, yeah. some of us as Christians are called to focus primarily on immediate needs, but some of us are also cry, you know, called to also go upstream and find the yep. sources of problems. And so as a Christian political scientist, I'm pushing upstream to find the underlying causes of major social and political problems, these major sort of pathologies, you might say. And this means studying political systems, diagnosing problems, finding potential solutions um, that can help make society a better place, uh, that can bring more peace and shalom. And as a Christian at a liberal arts institution, I'm involved in training some of the people that are going to go upstream and do that kind of work too, right? right. Um, you know, the people that, that are going to try to tackle some of these more fundamental problems. You know, we're not going to solve all the problems. There's always going to be people ending up in the river and we have to help them, right? Um, but I think one of my roles as a po Christian political scientist is to deal with some of those upstream issues. Yep. And I think just to jump on that for a second, I mean, one of my favorite works of kind of theological reflection on how we should think about our engagement with society in recent years is um, Pope Benedict XVI's uh, encyclical came out in 2005, Deus Caritas Est, which just means God is love. And in there, Benedict says something very like what you were just saying, Matt, which is, on the one hand, as Christians, we have this obligation to what he calls charity, right? Like that we deal with immediate needs. We help people who are in, in desperate straits. We show mercy to the poor and we, we help to help them. But we also try to help society purify its understanding of what, what would a just system look like? What would um, a, a system that doesn't you know, result in all those people being in the water look like, right? Um, and it's a, it's a kind of both and. Right? He said too often people want to set those in opposition. Like my, my Christian obligation is simply fishing people out and then I do, do whatever I want with power, right? Or I'm going to spend all my efforts trying to make the system just and I'm not going to actually help poor people, right? Um, and he said, no, it's not really an either or. It's a, it's a both and, right, um, that we, we are called to do. Um, I think that's an important point. Yeah. Um, I, as far as, <clears throat> as far as what I, I think I, when I, when I think about what, what it means particularly to study as a political scientist and how that changes things, you know, um, I know Charles Taylor's name's already been name dropped, but, um, one of the, one of the, You're uh, welcome. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> one of the things that, one of the things that he says though, that I think is, is relevant to how I think about these, um, these issues are, you know, is, is Charles Taylor makes a distinction, um, between this, you know, any kind of social science and, uh, and then, and then any other kind of what we might call like, you know, a physical science or something like that, mm -hmm. you know, where, you know, if you go out and you study rocks, you know, the, um, uh, you know, the sandstone is still going to be sandstone. It's going to be sandstone in a thousand years. And, uh, you know, and it's going to act the same in a thousand years as it did, you know, right. then. And, you know, the same is going to be true of the, 
um, um, boy, uh, you know, granite and whatever other your quartz and whatever other minerals and rocks that you find there. I, I'm I'm ashamed to say that like it's been. This so is a guy who did not take a geology course. Is what this I, is. <laughs> no, well, I took I took like I took like three geology courses. I almost majored in it, but now I'm ashamed that I can't remember like even basic names. <laughs> and stuff. I, probably, I guess I, I guess I made the right choice not 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 doing that. So anyway, um, has not any, taken. At any rate, the rocks are rocks. They're going to be the same. <laughs> Um, and, and they're not really going to change. But what Charles Taylor notes is what distinguishes social science and uh, is, is, is that essentially the subject itself changes. And the way that the, way that the subject um, uh, actually, you know, the, the way, what, what you study about the subject actually has an impact on the subject. And so there's right. this reciprocal relationship. You know, yeah. once, you, once, once you've actually studied human behavior and you, dis- and you realize certain things um, about human behavior, then that actually might adjust human behavior. You know, and, right. and I actually think about that a little bit even right now. I know we're not talking about, poli- you know, but but, you know, I mean, just the fact that political science has digested so much of the rationality behind Congress. I wonder if that hasn't shaped the sort of the more hard edged um, politics that we see today. Um, but that, I think, kind of bring comes back then to what does Christianity have to offer and how does a Christian approach this? I mean, it, it shapes both the questions you ask, it shapes how you think about the yeah. application of those questions. You know, I think Chris, earlier you were saying, and I think this is true, there are, you know, uh, most political scientists, I think, and actually, um, Matt, well, you, I, I don't, I don't know if you ended up taking, uh, what is political science from Jeff Isaac or not, but anyway, but if, but no, I didn't, okay. I did. Yeah, I anyway, had a different but, class with him, but right, right. So, so one of the things that he, it's been a while since I've taken that too. So Jeff Isaac, if I get this wrong, I'm sorry, but, um, but if I remember <laughs> right, what, uh, one of the things that he was emphasizing in that class, at least one of the things that I took away. So this was my takeaway anyway, whether he meant this or not was, um, he was, he was really trying to ask what was the value of political science mm-hmm. and, from what I took away from that class, he had a real skepticism about the value of what some political science is is all about. Um, and his skepticism um, was really kind of rooted in thinking about like, you know, what's the value in some grand new, um, you know, massive regression, uh, you know, on, on all this data that, that actually doesn't tell us all that much new. Um, but, 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 but I think for us, there is, there is really a, a value, a value that we can see um, in, in in thinking about how does this give us more understanding about human beings, and it gives us a way to sort of quantify, not not ready to quantify, but to to assess that, right? To think about what is what is this what does this really mean? How does it impact society? And that and that doesn't mean that you know that actually might actually even give more meaning to the new regression because it says you know this tells us something about human beings. We think human beings are um, are valuable, and we want to see. And think about how we can impact, you know, the world for good, um, as Sam or as uh, as Chris was talking about. So, um, so I think in that way, you know, being being a Christian political scientist gives you uh, that 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 grounding really to see that value as 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 Taylor's thinking about, you know, as, as he's thinking about, you know, how does how do we work through um, studying something that that. Uh, that actually doesn't stay the same and that it is constantly changing in that way. And that we are, and that we are in fact then responsible for, for shaping in some ways. Yep. Yep. That's a really good point, Mitch. I think studying something which, which is changing, we're not just discovering unrevealed truth, but really trying to capture things that are changing about the human experience in the light of, in light of eternal truth Mm -hmm. really is kind of, I think, 
exciting for me, right? I'm excited mm-hmm. for students to engage in this process. I'm excited to engage my colleagues and and to and to see what they're discovering as we as as as, as human society changes. And I find that I find that invigorating. Um, guys, we we could keep going, um, but uh, I I unfortunately oh, yes. need to run. And I think maybe a couple of, couple of you <laughs> do. So thank you. Um, thanks for joining us for episode 100. Yeah, happy 100th, everybody. Exactly. Uh, may there be a 200. Um, yes, here's to another 100. Um, that would take us up to 2024. We'd be talking through the next uh, presidential election. Uh, what a wild time that could be. We'll see. Um, <laughs> one presidential election at a time, man. I yeah. just one at a time. You want to give me your front runners for the uh, 2024 nominations? I really don't. Nope. <laughs> I was I was just trying to think like who would be who would be out there like you know. You want to talk about Nikki Haley? All right, that's yeah. fine. Because if we'd been podcasting in 2012, I don't think I would have said Donald Trump. <laughs> right, right. Here we are. We'll, we'll we'll talk about it like in February. How's there that? Because <laughs> that's when uh, the next race much begins. Too early. Yeah, well, we'll certainly know who who is the president by February. So yeah, that's good. We yeah, should. hopefully. If not, we're in deep trouble. So at this rate, I'm hoping by New Year's. I'm hoping so. <laughs> well, we'll be back in your news feed with uh, more contemporary day-to-day politics. But thank you for listening to our sort of um, our sort of our long-standing sort of our, our mission statement about why we do this what it's for, and what good it serves. Um, We love bringing it to you. Thanks for listening. You can always get a hold of us at electionshocktherapy at gmail.com. We'd love to get your comments, your thoughts, your questions. We get enough questions, we'll even do a a listener mailbag episode. Uh, And you can also contact the channel, channel3900 at gmail.com. Please subscribe to the channel. We've got lots of great stuff in addition to election shock therapy. We've got academics with Avatar with Academics. We've got Tweet Victory. We've got Bookship Bethel. We've got Video Store. We've got lots of things on the channel right now. Lots of different things for different kinds of interests. So check that out. Thanks for subscribing. On behalf of my colleagues here at Bethel University and University of South Carolina at Aiken, thanks for listening and go Royals. Mm-hmm.